Hey friends, and welcome back to The Cigar Social, a podcast where we smoke cigars, drink some whiskey, talk about the two, but most likely end up on some random topics and shenanigans. My name is Matt, across from me is a good friend, who is now a little bit older, the one who puts the gent in intelligent. Oh God. Ken? Another wonderful intro. Thank you, Matt. How are things going with you? Uh, things are going pretty well. Good. Good. Yes, thank you. I am a little bit older now. My birthday was yesterday. I'm not going to let you guys know just yet uh, how old I am. No, but I do want to thank you for not wearing your birthday suit. Well, that's because you told me not to, but okay. All right. That's, I'm fine with that. I get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, birthday fact. Did you know, on the year you were born, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin both died at age 27 from drug-related deaths. And now you just gave away my age. Thank you. Appreciate that for that little fun fact. Thank yeah. you. And the, the Beatles also broke up that year as well. I also told, I think I told you this. I uh, was you know, probing to see what celebrities were born on my birthday. And uh, the one that jumped out at me was Lisa Loeb. Um, she, she was, she was uh, pretty well in the, in the 90s. I remember her when I was yes. a teenager. Yeah, she was very nice. Lovely woman. Great voice. Um, yeah, we share a birthday. And I don't know who else. And I think like a Supreme Court judge from the 1800s or something like that. But, yeah, that's about, that's about that. So, well, we made it a week. We did. We did. We, we did. survived. We, and a lot happened. We, we gained a lot of some listeners. We're on multiple platforms now. We have a YouTube channel that we're going to slowly uh, post videos. We have Instagram now. Um, yeah, we're, we're slowly becoming... Something here. Slowly. That's pretty fast for me. Are you guys, I mean, like, wow. I'm trying to, a little bit to catch up with. But uh, anyway, what, you want to get started with? Uh, so let's get to show and tell. Okay. Uh, now, uh, on the segment of the show we call show and tell, every episode we alternate who brings the bottle and who brings the cigars. Last week, uh, I brought the cigars. And Let's continue the trend and start with the smoke. This time it's Ken's turn. Uh, Ken, I, I'm excited. You mentioned that you had to call an audible yesterday from yeah. uh, what you originally had planned. So what do you have for us? Yeah, I, I, I full intent to get a particular cigar, but I was fortunate enough uh, to meet Kyle over at Burning Leaf in Naperville. And I, Kyle and Fred are two guys that I've met there, and they're fantastic. They know what they're doing over there. And I got to talk with Kyle for a little bit. And he said, well, hey, I've got something for you guys to try. Here you go. Why don't you go with this? Thanks, and, Kyle. Yeah, really appreciate that. And what we have is a Don Rafa. Uh, let me get the uh, stats for you guys on this. Uh, just to know, we took it out of the uh, took it out of the wrapper. And great bouquet. It smells fantastic. It's nice. You got a nice feel to it. Everything from the eye test, you know, is great. With this definitely meets the eye test. Uh, great label on it, it's uh very inviting, and it, it also had that, that satin uh-huh. fabric footing that you see on a lot of like my father's or Espinosa's. Uh, very well, uh, very good presentation on it. So, as you call that footing, yeah, at the edge, there's like mm-hmm. a ribbon at the edge there. Normally, I'm used to the paper wrapper, but this thing is it's clearly not paper, it's uh more formidable than that. And uh, yeah, like a satiny type of feel to it. Uh, this particular one is—it's got a—it's a medium body. It is uh, featured. It's a long filler 
a blend of Nicaraguan tobacco. And we haven't tried the flavors yet, but we're suggesting there's these earth tones and a hint of spice and pepper and cedar. I did get cedar on the cold draw. Obviously, I just lit it. Um, but the cold draw definitely had cedar on it. Okay. And furthermore, it's Ecuadorian Habano is the wrapper. And like I said, its origin is Nicaragua. So I'm going to go ahead and fire mine up right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, Don Rafa Cigars uh, is also a, a family-owned business operated in the Chicagoland area. Oh. Yep, owned by Raphael uh, Yaka, uh, who also owns uh, Tabacalera uh, La Familia, which is the rolling facility in uh, Esteli, Nicaragua. That's where they roll and produce their not only their own cigars, but do private labels uh, for folks like... Uh, Frontline cigars and other companies. Yeah, we also got to work on our Spanish a little bit more. I mean, if we're going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue like it should yet, but I think we can get used to it. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's a great burn so far. Just, you know, right off the jump, getting a lot of cedar, like you said. Uh, yeah, it is good. And you can go ahead and educate me as far as like how we're looking at the shape. Is so it's a box press, uh, box press Habano wrapper, and I believe this is a six by fifty-two. Fifty-two, yeah. uh, good size. It's a good, good, uh, slightly, slightly fatter uh, Toro size style box press. Um, not not squeezed, not boxed too tight. I've had box presses at some times that are uh, just way too boxy per se, in a lack of a better term, where the edges don't burn evenly and you kind of have to touch it up. Uh, but this is a, a nice box press. Kind of reminds me of the same box press you'll see on an Alec Bradley Prinsado. Um, well, well constructed. Uh, now we, uh, we have the same cut on the boat. Well, what did we you do. Think? I did a uh, straight cut. Again, we have this tabletop cutter, so we have the option of the V and the, and the straight cut. Um, Looks like a slot machine type of one-arm bandit type of cutter you've seen them all the yeah time. yeah it was a great investment my, my wife got that for me and it's been uh great for when we have people over to let hey here's the here's the cutter here's a cigar just watch your fingers because i have yeah. actually cut myself on yeah, that i told that story a little bit to my brother about how you had almost you know a, a big dangerous situation where well i had uh usually i, I hold the cigar upside down and i kind of slightly pushed down from almost like where the footing is. Uh, but I was having people over and we were talking, people were asking me questions and I had my hand actually flat on the cutter itself, holding it down by like the shoulder and my pinky as I hit the slot, uh, as I, I pulled the lever, the V cut portion, the blade kind of protrudes a little bit. So it kind of nicked my, my pinky a little bit. But if I probably, if I was a, yeah. another centimeter lower or if I wasn't paying attention, it, it would have, because they're sharp, they're, yeah, yeah, they and are. you're pulling down on it, so you're using, it's not like a, a Zycar guillotine style, it's, uh -huh. you're using force to drive it, the, the lever down, so. I mean, that's a cautionary tale to not uh, try to multitask. Give all your attention to the cigar cut. When you're using sharp objects. In general. And cutting a handmade premium cigar that you don't want to screw up, chances are you should probably tell everybody in the room to shut up. I'm cutting something here. Or have a code word. You have a code word? No, you should have a code word. Oh, so everybody yeah. knows. You know, we'll bring it up probably next time. But 
Totally. Yeah, like you said, basically you need attention to everyone. Everybody stops what they're doing, and they hear the cha-chung. You want blood on your cigar yeah, or what? Yeah, or you want to end this party real quick because you're going to the hospital. All right, well, I'm going to say this is great. I And just yeah. play, make a little pull-off of it. Nice, even smoke. I mean, Good aroma. Yeah. Um, almost like a leathery, uh, earthy. I hate the term earthy. I think yeah. that's one of the most overused terms when it comes to reviews. And, you know, you can do that with bourbon. You can do that with any. Oh, it smells a little earthy. It tastes a little. Okay, cool. Like, we get it. It's a leaf. It's going to taste yeah, earthy. Or it's moldy. I, yeah. mean, I, 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 I don't know what to. When somebody tells but, me that, I don't know. Because. It doesn't give me. And a, what is a good feeling? Is that like? Is that the smell of dirt? Is well, it the smell of like decaying leaves? Like, there's a lot of different smells in earth. E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, I'm sure I'm using the wrong terminology as far as it's vented. We'll call it. I mean, like I said, as it seems to, when you're pushing air through it, it seems to go through with no issue. Yeah, it, and that's it, that's you know, the construction portion of it. Uh, it's again not usually again with box presses when they press them down it squeezes the filler in so tight that you almost have to get one of those those draw tools to kind of shove through and open it up a little bit this doesn't have that issue at all uh, i'm getting a good uh, even draw a lot of a uh, decent amount of smoke output mm-hmm. um it's not it's medium bodied would be the perfect definition for it it's not yeah. light Yep. And it's definitely not a full, in-your-face, heavy, you know, hitter cigar. This is a perfect medium. Uh, I think it is going to pair well with the bottle that I had brought. Um, it definitely is a, like a relaxing type of feel I get with this. You know, as we're going, just talking back. And like and you forth. said, they, they, uh, they have their, uh, Don Rafa Cigars has their sweets. Mm-hmm. And you can, I'm not a big fan of flavored cigars per se. It is a, people do love them. I just personally, my personal opinion, but uh, they, they have a lot of different varieties that I saw on their website. Uh, watermelon, peach cobbler, like all different flavors. I, I'm not opposed to trying it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't smoke acids. I don't smoke infused mm-hmm. cigars. But for this, this is a premium Habano. You're getting... That premium taste, and, and, and that's not, what I'm, I'm impressed, really. I don't, yeah, I, I, it would be hard to believe you'd be disappointed if you tried the cigar, bought the cigar. Uh, once again, like my kind of my litmus test is would I go ahead and recommend this to somebody else, especially at my novice level of understanding cigars, I would say, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, the typical at the golf course, for sure. After, of course. Uh, probably even before with coffee. You know, it's like that kind of deal. This would be a good coffee cigar. Mm-hmm. Actually, you have a coffee. Oh, do. Right there. So I would say take a draw and then take a sip and kind of marry the two together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. I mean, I think next time I'll just like a straight cup of black coffee and see how it goes. But there's a little bit of flavor in this. But, yeah. Now... Part one. Let's start part two. Please, if you will. Part two. I brought the bottle. This is the resilient straight bourbon bottled in bond, distilled in Indiana, bottled in Stanford, Kentucky. Uh, this butte is a beautiful bottle. I, I like the, the look of it. It's got the stars and stripes. It's a 
Can't go wrong with that. It's a cool bottle. 100 proof, aged four years. Um, real quick, for those out there unfamiliar with Bottled and Bond, I'll give you a quick explanation uh, of Bottled and Bond. And in the 1800s, there was a few tactics to make bad whiskey uh, a little better, to improve margins and profits. So bourbon was faked using iodine, turpentine, colorings, flavors. Uh, some said they would even find tobacco spit. So uh, President Grover Cleveland, Secretary of Treasure, Treasury, uh, John G. Carlisle, put together the Bottle and Bond Act to protect whiskey drinkers. Uh, this act is fully supported, was fully supported by Colonel Edmund Haynes Taylor Jr. Yes, E.H. Taylor. You might have seen his name on a couple of bottles before because he is also known as the founding father of the bourbon industry. Wow. The Bottle and Bond Act of 1897 says that whiskeys must be produced at the same distillery by the same distiller within the same distilling season. It must be aged for at least four years in a federal bonded warehouse under federal government supervision, then cut and bottled at exactly 100 proof. The only thing they can add at that point is pure water to cut it if uh, you know, the proof is too high. They can cut it with pure water. Uh, Bottled and Bond will be mentioned on whiskey labels, so you can easily identify it as being bonded. Bravo. Let's yeah. have a shout-out to bureaucratic regulation. It's about time. It's about time. It's about- <laughs> hey, listen, I mean, I'm okay with not getting tobacco spit. Well, I love what the term is to protect the whiskey drinker, and that's what it's about. Okay, that, that resonated with me. You had me at that point. Everything else is just... There's literally a government act to protect... To pr- protect Whiskey drinkers. In fact, in the house, I had... chill? I got to chill. I know. Thanks, Uncle Sam. Yeah, indeed. Uh, That way. Without further ado. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Immediately, I think that pairs well with this, this cigar and that bourbon. Ties in hand in hand. They're both medium body, and that's what you want to almost pair with cigars. And we'll probably have an episode more on pairings. Yeah, sure. But there's two different types of pairings you can do. You can pair uh, pair uh, beverage and cigar that kind of go hand in hand um, to kind of complement each other. And then there's also a contrast pairing where you kind of do the polar opposites. You'll have a Bold cigar and a, a light drink, mm-hmm. you know, um, or you do a, a heavy drink and an easy cigar. So it is good. Uh, real, but quick. this is a very nice. Yeah. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, I developed a nice long ash for this cigar that I've been smoking. It is a nice steady burn, very pleasing. And getting back to what Matt was saying in regards to this whiskey. At first, I had it in my head a little bit. He said, oh, it's 100 proof. So we're going to have a little more octane than I believe what we had last time. I think last time was it 80, 86. 86, okay. yeah. So, you know, kind of in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, it's going to have to be. In my opinion, if we got a higher octane, uh, I'm looking for see what, what's the offshoot. What is the flavor? If you've gone ahead, like if you just put like pure gasoline in there, and you're like, okay, here you go. It isn't aged properly. You're like, okay, you're going to get hit like a hammer with the alcohol. Yeah. Not in this case. No. Um, so, you know, I'll do it again. I'll 
reduced many times. And I think that's because of the aging. Mm. When you get a higher octane, like uh, we were talking about that that Bradshaw. Yeah. It was it, yeah. it was a hundred proof, hundred and ten. It was a little higher. Yeah. Hundred and change. Yeah, I think it was like. But it was only aged two years, so the the flavors that the, the the bourbon captures from the barrel from the aging process, you don't you don't get those flavors to kind of overpower the octane. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I mean, that you know that's just you know a couple novices looking at it and saying this is what we felt at that time. I was definitely drink Bradshaw's whiskey. I mean, I like it. Um, when it comes to this here with this Brazilian. Um, initially that when you're pouring it and you're drinking it first taste, I feel that I call it the burn more toward the middle. Yeah. And more to the middle of the tongue, you know, let it sit there for a while. And then as I did the slow swallow on it, it was a nice, steady warming. It was, I wouldn't even call it a burn. It was more of a warming to the back of the throat there. Um, and there you have it. And when, then after that took a cigar whole and yeah, it's, I think the pairing is, you know, that's the word you use as far as bringing the two together. Kind of, this is a good marriage right here. It does. It, it complements each other. I think that's, that's really a, a, a good pair. Mm-hmm. And I, this is fun because we're going to be doing these random show Aww. and tells, and sometimes we're going to be like, hmm, that's so good of a pair. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I think um, I know this. So, the last, this is our second podcast. Um, I've never smoked a cigar before. The cigars we had last week, I didn't have before. The two whiskeys, two brown liquors I call, because I mean, we use scotch bourbon and whiskey. So I use brown liquor as the term. We haven't had those before either. So it's not like we uh, did a taste test and decided no. to go and put it onto the show. I may have cheated uh, on this episode because I did have a glass of this bottle. Okay, can I talk to you over here, please? No, sorry. Um, off mic? Off mic lashings. Uh, I, 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 I apologize. You just undermined everything I said. Yeah. Moving forward. Before my eyes. In future episodes. Oh, you're forgiven. Um, yeah, no, this is a, a great pair. Uh, and going back to the cigar, I'm slowly getting, like, mocha. Mm-hmm. Almost a chocolate. See, I can't, I, I can't say that because I, with the coffee, mm. I have. Is that a mocha? Yeah, yeah, so I can't even. Mm. So, my, yeah, my, on my end, the empirical evidence is tainted. You, however, didn't have any mocha today, right? No mocha. Okay, so listen no. to what you have to say. Maybe a couple margaritas, but no mocha. All right, I had one of those too, but just one. Anyway, uh, another good score here. I like this. Yeah, I can't wait to see how this uh, burns and, and kind of get to the bottom of it and give it the full. Mine is burning well. I, I'm very pleased. You know, it. I have no complaints here. You said that uh, it was Kyle, mm-hmm. uh, our buddy, yeah, our, Kyle. Our, our new friend. A new friend. And uh, Kyle, and then and before that was a uh, uh, great guy over there as well, over at Burning Me. Brad. Down in Naperville. Down in Naperville. In fact, it is, I don't know. Now, this is in Illinois, Naperville, Illinois. Um, dare I say Naperville is about, can I say maybe 25 miles Maybe 22 miles west of Chicago. Uh, it's on that. Um, where this particular place is at, it's kind of like the borderline of DuPage and Kane County uh, in regards to the uh, location. Uh, they're on Route 59, and their address is uh, 4423 Fox Valley Center Drive in Aurora. And I like the place. I go there 
and they didn't tell us to say this, so it's not like uh, we're not getting paid. No, we're not getting paid for anything like this. Just for any of this, none of this. Uh, so we just more or less. Uh, I've had quite a few times gone there, and each time I've gone there, I've been pleased, very surprised. Well, they, they have, have a pretty, pretty nice sized uh, human walk-in humidor. Yep, they do, and a lounge. You can actually burn one in there and, and relax on some couches and some chairs. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is very cool. I mean, it it. You're inclined to this type of thing, and my, I imagine most of our listeners are. Um, the it's exactly what you want. You to kick back, uh, sit back with some brown liquor, watch TV, and then uh, or TV. Listen to me, watch TV. Yeah. Did, did anybody say that anymore? The old tube television. Is it? Yeah. Well, they're not. They don't have tubes there. Let's. They've got. Well, it's nice too. The location is right next to the mall. So if you, uh-huh. if you, you know, you're bringing uh, the the. The wife or whatever she can go and, and your idea. I like shop idea. a little bit, and then the, you know you can go and burn one while she's in the stores, and then kind of meet at Hooters for lunch, which is right next door. So that's perfect location. And I think I think you tapped into something. You tapped into a, probably a, a level or a measure of couples therapy. Now let me expound on that a little bit <laughs> because that's going to be give and take. Because if you do that and you're allowed to do and have this great experience, you know darn well that your other partner, whoever it might be. Is gonna you gonna have to wave the white flag and let them have free license with the credit card or the debit card, and it's a mall like you just said. That your significant other can get into a lot more trouble than you can. You know, I mean, there's some. Yeah, I mean, I can spend some pretty good coin at, a, yeah. at the, the burning leaf as well. But. You could. Okay, so that's it. And the thing about it is, oh, you know, we trust each other. It's a mutual. It's a rapport. I trust you to do what you're gonna do. We'll come back together in about 90 minutes or two hours and do whatever. So keep that in mind if you're having any blowback from it. But create it as a win-win type of scenario, and I think you'll definitely, both of you will actually enjoy it. Mm-mm. Hey, Ken. Mm. Do you know the, the ABCs of bourbon? No, I do not. Do you want to know the ABCs? I think I do. All right. Let's get into the ABCs. A little lesson here. Uh, one way, there's a saying that, that I kind of find humorous, but it, it holds truth. All bourbons are whiskey, but not all whiskeys are bourbon. Oh, kind of like the, uh, never mind, go ahead. So we'll, we'll start down the line here. A means America. Bourbon can only be made in America. I knew that. I knew you knew that. that. Okay. Let's see. Right. Uh, B is for barrel. I was going to go with barrel. Yeah. Bourbon uh, must be in uh, made within new charred oak barrels. Okay. So I get to guess what C is. Go for it. I'm going to try. I don't, think, I don't think I'm right. It just came to my mind. It wouldn't be cast, would it? No. Okay. Let's Corn. See. Ah, that was my... Okay, that wasn't one of my guesses, but go ahead. Bourbon must be 51% or more corn. Huh. So yeah, we have America. Barrels and corn. Corn. Okay, and that is your, those are that. I mean, those are the ones, if you don't have those boxes checked, but you wait, don't have bourbon. There's more. D. I thought you said E. Go ABCs. ahead. ABCs. Okay, A, A through G. Let's put it that way. Whoa, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm writing. There, there's I'm, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did you bring down. your pencil this time? I got an ink pen, but go ahead. Uh, it must be distilled in a maximum of 160 proof. No more. Ah, okay. Now I'm getting. Now I'm starting to connect with you because now we're talking the chemistry of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 
The E is for enter, which is uh, a term they use when it enters the barrel, and it cannot enter the barrel uh, more than 125 proof. Okay. Okay. F is for filled, which means filling the bottle, and it can be no less than 80 proof. Okay. Bourbon cannot be less than 80 proof in a bottle. So these are, what you're telling me are hard rules, hard, fast rules that are specific to bourbon Manufacturer, bourbon making, bourbon, bourbon, yeah, yeah, in yeah. general. Okay, so these all this criteria has to be met for truly just to have the term bourbon. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and the last one is genuine. Uh, it must be uh, genuine ingredients, no artificial colors, no additional ingredients may, may be added. Um, bourbon is 51% or more corn and can also contain barley, rye, and sometimes wheat, but that is it. Okay. Yeah. The more you know. Well, yeah, indeed. I mean, it's the... Uh... That's great to know. I mean, I, out of all the A, B, C, A, A through G's, I probably was familiar with about four of those, three of those yeah. at the very least. And there's a, there's a debate, too. I mean, there's some folks who say, well, this, this is a bourbon or that's not a bourbon and this is a bourbon. It can only be one of the myths is, oh, it's, it's not bourbon. if it's, It needs to be made in Kentucky to be called a bourbon, and that's not true anywhere in America. Right. In fact, the bourbon that we're having right now is made in Indiana. Right. And that holds true through the, the you know, the A, B, A, B, C, D, E, F, Gs. No, and, you're, and when you really start thinking, and, and, and as people think this through, you're going to remember, like, okay, yeah, I've never had, I've had a Japanese whiskey, I've had an Irish whiskey, you know, I've had, you know, different types of whiskeys from different countries. And I've never had a, we'll call it foreign bourbon. Now, we could, maybe there's something out there we don't know about, but, you know, as a disclaimer, but as it stands, as I start going through my memory, memory tank, in my mind, I don't recall anything that ever had that term out of this country. If it was a bourbon, it was from the United States. I didn't. I never assumed it was just from one state, though. Yeah. So, you know. I was in Tennessee one time, and someone said, well, you know, it's got to be from Kentucky. Well, no, actually. It could be from anywhere in the U.S., even Alaska uh, sure. and, and Hawaii. They can make, technically, theoretically, they can make bourbons. Yeah. I mean, and then, I mean, obviously, a lot of great bourbons come out of kentucky right as far as oh yeah that's you know, that's the bourbon capital the mecca right? that's the bourbon trail you know that you can spend weeks doing bourbon tastings and different distilleries i dare you i went to the willet distillery one time phenomenal operation family owned super small um great whiskey uh bourbon everything comes out of there is quality um and they had their, their low-shelf, cheaper bottles. I'm not uh, even going to say bad quality, but, you know, lower-shelf, cheap, cost-wise cheaper. Yeah, less expensive. And then they have their all the way up to their, you know, reserve and their pot distill and their mm-hmm. fancy bottles and stuff like that. But highly suggest a, a good Willet if, if you ever get a chance. For another time. For another time. That yes. might be a, a, one of these yeah. show-and-tell bottles. Right. I, uh, you know, just as we're gauging here, we're sipping along and smoking along. This is very good. This is... Well in line with your, you know, what guys do. And I can't say what people do. Women do it, too. Uh, sit back with the brown liquor. Sit back with your cigar. And you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Well, it's a little cold here. Uh, again, we're based out of the Chicagoland area. It's a little chilly today. Um, last episode, it was, what, 70 and Last it's, week? Yeah, it's supposed to tick up. You know, this this upcoming week is going to be 
yeah. like that. So, you know, so we get to do our. We recorded last episode with our our. We're in a smoke shed studio esque. Very rustic. We had the door open. It was nice. We heard the birds chirping. Today it's twenty. Um, so it's a slightly different. Doors closed. Heaters on. Smoke is gonna billow out of here when we open this door. But having a great time. Yes, we are. None, nonetheless. Okay. Well, that was good. That was educational on my end too. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, wow, I'm taking this all in. Um. So I know you asked me last week. I'm gonna go ahead and kick it back to you, Matt. What's on your mind? What's on my mind? There we go. Now you're, on, you're back on your heels, aren't you? Well, I mean, I'm getting, uh, we're getting prepared for St. Patrick's Day uh, here in Chicago. The river is being dyed green as we speak. If you're listening and you have no idea what that is, please look up Chicago River dyed green. Uh, it is, it, it turns out to be very green. I was actually surprised when I first moved up here and I saw it done for the first time. I didn't realize how like green, bright green that river can become. Well, you know a little bit of the history of the Chicago River there. How they're able? To, no, I don't. Please tell. Uh, I'm giving you. I'm just give you the cliff notes on it. Uh, essentially, that river they were able to uh, engineer the reverse of the flow of it, so they have control of the flow of that river. Hmm. You know, um, my understanding, my rudimentary understanding was because the way the river was flowing, a lot of the uh, Coming in from Lake Michigan? Yeah, it was flowing, and uh, they flowed out to get out of the city. Uh, one person who told me, and I don't know if he had too many whiskeys, but essentially the, you know, if you have things that you want to come out of the city, they, toxins, whatever it may be, you know, I think at one time they called it, I do believe the Indians had called it like Garlic River or something along those lines. It was because it was the water kept coming in, and... It was being stagnant. It wasn't really, oh. you know, it wasn't really uh, oh, yeah. purging itself, you know, with the flow. Um, mind you, it's not a history lesson, and someone's going to be like, "No, you're completely wrong with it." But I do understand they have a mechanized way. Uh, the engineers had to reverse the flow of it, so they have a better handle on that. And actually, uh, dyeing the river has been a tradition. With I'm assuming safe dyes that go into the water and probably biodegradable, etc. But also, too, uh, I was educated that this is the weekend. That we're celebrating St. Patty's Day? Because it falls within the week, right? Yeah, well, because next week, it's going to be on Thursday. Yeah. Right? The 17th is a Thursday. So I suppose you have to do it before or after. I mean, it'd be a little melodramatic if, okay, let's celebrate it after the date. Well, yeah. And you know, that's if, if we decide to record episode three mm-hmm. next weekend, we'll have a Irish-themed cigar and potentially an Irish-esque whiskey. Okay. We'll see. Um I'll go find one. Yeah. I, I, I like whiskeys, Irish whiskeys in particular. So I will find one that I haven't tried. How about that? Okay. Okay. I mean, I, there's I, a few that I really love that I would, you know, down the line we can talk about. Like we said, we're trying to go ahead and bring things out that we haven't had before and getting the first chance to share with you guys at the onset. Thank you. Um, last episode, <clears throat> you wanted pencil facts. I got pencil facts for you. Okay, let's go. Did you know a pencil, on average, could be sharpened 17 times? I'm digesting this. And, trying, and I'm already trying to find chinks in that armor. I'm going to critique that, but go ahead. And an average pencil can draw a line up to 35 miles long. Still processing this. 
Does it matter if it's a number two pencil or not? I don't I even th- know you were right I'm on with uh, other pencils being sketch pencils and yeah. funky names and, and numbers and abbreviations and all that, but I could not find the number three pencil anywhere. For I never know. I don't know what the number one pencil is. I mean, it, um, you know, that's the whole thing about it. I mean, you always get that. Everybody who's ever had to take a pencil test, like a Scantron type of deal, they make it abundantly clear, you better have a number two pencil. I think that's gone to the wayside with the advances in technology. Yeah, well... The one thing I did find was that it uh, it coincides with the amount of graphite, which is within the lead of the pencil. Is that regulated? I have no idea. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the average pencil can write up to 45,000 words. These are all pencil facts that are... I'm not going to say my mind's being blown right now. Our, our two listeners are gone. It, it's, yeah. We're talking like, to ourselves right now. Because basically, it's like, right now I can picture it, like my computer when I... It's buffering, and you're trying to get the internet page to show, and it eventually does. You have the spinning wheel going. That's, yeah, I mean, anyway. or if you have a Mac, it's a beach ball. I guess, I guess, yeah. But basically, I'm like, there is like, come on already. You know, that's what you normally get out of me. We please. So no, that's what's going on in my head. Uh, wow, thank you for that fun fact. Yeah. And I used a pencil the other day, so that's what I get to bring to the table here. I used one the other day. Last pencil fact. Go ahead. The average-sized tree can make approximately 300,000 pencils. You know what? There's going to be an anti-pencil campaign right now. <laughs> you know that. You know you just open that door. Pens are better. No, no. pencils are better. Look what you're doing. What you're doing in the environment. You're tearing down some perfectly good sure. trees. For what reason? To avoid plastic. When we can, when we can docu-share pen. everything now on a computer. That's true, yeah. You know. Um, wow. That is a... A deeper thought than I thought was going to come about a pencil factoid. Speaking of deeper thoughts, yes, and this is going to be a, a question that I post on our episode where we can do like a Q and A, and people can go ahead and go on their website and, and answer this. But and I don't expect an answer right now because it is a widely topic debate worldwide. Is a hot dog a sandwich or does it define as a taco? I'm, I would go with, okay, you want my knee-jerk reaction? and Knee-jerk it. I'm going to go neither. Neither. People are like, what are you, neither. Um, I think it's like a standalone. It's a standalone? It's a standalone, because then, you, then you're asking the question, okay, what about a sausage? You know, a sausage in a, in a bun. Well, let's put it this way. We're from, we're from the Chicago area. We got Portillo's, which is... The best hot Italian beefs and, mm-hmm. and hot dogs and all mm-hmm. that stuff. No question. Go right? Ahead. A hot Italian beef is a, a bun sure. with, with meat yeah. inside. Right. A hot dog is a bun with meat inside. Okay. Um, the hot Italian beef is considered a sandwich. So. Okay, I'm going to bring you back again because. Bring it back. Um, the term hot dog bun is very specific. It's very specific to the hot dog. So once again, gives you that definitive distinctness. And if you're going to talk about the sandwich aspect of it, I know you could sit there and say we could have one slice of this, another slice of that. Um, for lack of a better term, the hot dog pretty much is intact. Like it's, a hamburger. It's too, well, it's a hamburger, but right. I mean, the now you got a hamburger. And a hamburger bun. And people could argue that what the hamburger bun. Now, well, we, we, this is us chasing back and forth. Doesn't the bun, isn't the bun onto itself for a hot dog? 
I mean, if I have a hamburger bun, I've got two pieces of bread, right? The hot dog bun is one, one mold or one piece of bread, we'll call it, still hinged, and you put your hot dog bun or you put your hot dog in it. So um, is that really that? That might be the the defining. If the bun is hinged, it's no longer a sandwich. It could be. You could, you know, you're now you're talking about this is what we're talking about. You know, I think this is how Socrates started with his, you know, way out there, bring it down to the micro level or the mm. subatomic level. We're not going to get that far. But no, I would say this. Okay. If you ask me that and people can probably have arguments on both sides, I think the hot dog is, it stands alone. We can take it to a little different area. You know, if we're talking about drugs, let's talk about illegal drugs for a minute. That is a okay. Only a, because I wouldn't even consider that a segue. That's more of a. It's a proof that you can correlate anything. Okay, we can have some running variables at the same time. One doesn't cause the other, but they they run together. Similar traits that run together. Um, you know, as far as laws go, they're, they're cannabis laws. Okay, because cannabis is a drug onto itself. They don't necessarily call it an amphetamine. They don't call it a narcotic. They don't call it a stimulant, or rather, they don't call it a barbiturate. None of that. You know, it is cannabis onto its own because it has features of all, but it has such a different, you know, chemical makeup when it comes to it. It stands alone. I'll bring you back to your hot dog. When you go somewhere to get a hot dog to buy one, you don't ask for a hot dog sandwich. It stands there. There's a hot dog. I'll take a hot dog, and it's on the list. And then you will see, hey, I'll have a beef sandwich. Mm, with a hinged bun. With a hinged bun. But even then, let's say that breaks away, and you have two separate pieces of bread. You still or they dip it, like Portillo's likes to dip it yeah. in the, the Ajou uh, sauce. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, even, okay, go back to the term sandwich. Normally it was the two separate pieces of bread, I guess, or whatever you yeah. want to use to hold the, the contents of it. Um, but I'm going to go with this. I'm, you know, back to a taco or sandwich, I'm going to go, I'm going to take the behind door number three. It stands alone. Standalone. Got it. I think it's a standalone item. And uh, I know it can, you know, it can get attacked from a variety of different ways, but there's probably at least 2% of the population is in my camp. These are the things that bug me at night. Me? I'm like, why didn't we sign the alien accord with the extraterrestrials? That's what bugs me. I'm glad you can sleep on that, or not me. Halfway through this cigar, still loving it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had to touch it up a couple times. I don't know if it's because I'm sitting here BSing. And I just let it go out. Uh, I'm not going to – I'll give it a fair – it's got a good smoke ring around, around the edge, you know, from between the ash and the ashes. Nice uh, white holds up. And I've ashed it a couple times. Well, it's funny because all those qualitative things you're talking about, that's, you know, you're trying to do the taste, the smell, the look, and then as it goes, it progresses because obviously yeah. it's, you know, it's changing. But on my end over here, no, it hasn't – deviated one bit you know maybe because i am more intently on it than you are but definitely you know i'm setting it down purging it here and there taking a sip of the whiskey uh, the the resilient bottled in bond yeah and it is these are very good yummy stuff yeah which also tells me this too you know at another time place when we're out somewhere i will go ahead and match these two in some i could very easily say hey i'm bringing the cigars or you are we have this type of cigar and like hey do you still got any of that resilient left yes i do Keep it handy. Yeah. Because it won't be around for long. And I'd also say that the retrohale on this cigar, some cigars give you a a very harsh 
retrohale where you know it'll kind of burn your nose a little bit. Um, this has a very smooth retrohale, and I still capture some of that cedar coffee mocha notes. I'm not, my palate is not, you know, refined. I'm not really good at See, things I'm like that. You, I'm glad you said that, because I, as you're talking, I'm wondering you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of test example are like the palate? Is my, my palate, more or less, my tongue, my tasteability, has it been, it's got city miles on it, you know, I'm a little older. Uh, has it been dulled a little bit or whatever it may be? And I think as time goes by, is that influencing, you know, how I taste it? Could very well be. So there could be somebody who just got new to the game. Like, oh, man, everything these guys said, it's like, no, it burns like crazy or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that kind of deal. So but that's, I guess, another disclaimer. <laughs> Not all palettes are the same, I guess. Um, believe it or not. It's a good cigar. <clears throat> on, on the topic of cigars, something that I wasn't really aware of, but did you know where the phrase close but no cigar stems from? I'm going to go back to the 1700s when they had spelling bees. And if you came in first place, they gave you a cigar and a plot of land. I would be really good at spelling stuff if that was the case. I know, but... But now I just type things in Word and wait for that little red squiggly line to pop up and then autocorrect it to what it's supposed to be. Hmm. Uh, but no, actually... Or you do that. It, it was coined by carnival workers who handed out cigars as prizes... For games at local fairs. One more time. What was yeah. that? Uh, so if you were to play, you know. Ring toss. Ring toss, for example. And you Sh- won. Sure. They would give you a cigar. Um, is this and is long put, before things were regulated. Right. Like you, you started but if you with. missed, they would say, close, but no cigar. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, these days, many people would be outraged if they won a cigar instead of a teddy bear. But, yeah, it would be uh, a cigar back in... Whenever that had happened, don't have the dates exactly, but yes, that's where it was coined. So it could very well be going on some local fairs out there that we don't know about. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, but I think they're kind of hard to get to. It's like, uh, uh, oh, you, you, yeah. you, you won ring toss? Here's an Opus X. Well, I know darn well they wouldn't be giving this cigar away. I mean, no, you know. No, no, no. You're talking about fun facts. We're talking about drinking. Um, I think I talked to you about this one. You know, when you're told to mind your P's and Q's, this should be an easy one. What are the P's and Q's, and where did that come from? I have no idea. No, it's not. I mean, I know you're going to jump. It must be something with spelling. I was trying to think of something witty, but I have no, I have no, nothing. You're enjoying that cigar. And, and I am. Bourbon too much. Uh, from what I was told, it is mind your pints and quarts. Uh, back in the day... Uh, in the old ale houses, when uh, things started getting out of hand, or people were getting, you know, it was a fracas that was about to become a foot. Uh, they would tell the patrons, you know, mind your p's and q's, or your pints and quarts. Don't spill them. Pints and okay. Yeah, pints and quarts. <clears throat> um, now I can't verify that today. I don't have um, a source to cite on that, but that was told to me. And then someone can say, no, that's not what it means. But that's what I'm told. I'm going to stick with that. So I believe you can. Yeah. So whenever I'm drinking, I make sure that I have both pines and quartz handed, handed to me, handily ready. And I don't have to go to places where they're going to knock it over. Or I knock it over. 
Hmm. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Yeah. So I this, some... this episode is full of fun facts. Yeah, I think we gained two listeners and lost ten. But um, you know, <laughs> you know what did it take? Thomas Edison. What is it, Edison? No, not Thomas Edison. Yeah, Edison. The elect, the light bulb. It would have hit a thousand failures before it actually yeah. succeeded with the light bulb. Um, but I did uh, want to. I did want to bring up a topic. It was kind of sports related, and it was a hot button topic. And I know a lot of people out there were paying attention to this, and I'm sure it came across whatever news feed, not necessarily uh, sports for the masses. But uh, you're familiar with the incident with uh, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta wide receiver, football player. Yes. Um, and the, in respect to, well, tell me, what, what do you know happened with that? Uh, what are you aware of? Not much. Okay. So he more or less what had happened he got a he received a one year ban from football um, as it stands and I'm backing you guys I'm starting with the penalty and I'm going to bring you back to the offense so he admitted that he was doing some sports gambling and uh, you know came it was you know seems contrite came forward with it um, saying that you know I guess he did like a fifteen hundred dollar parlay or something on that effect uh, on sports he bet he bet on his team to win. But he was away from, he wasn't in the sport. He was actually off. He wasn't playing. Oh, okay. Not you like know, a Pete Rose situation. Exactly. He wasn't like that. Um, you know, from my understanding, these sports figures, they can they can gamble. They can play like blackjack and things like that. But betting is a big no-no. And it's, you know, if you dive into it, it's it's deeply expressed. And it's understood. Because something that's legal, like you or me, uh, we can do it. You know? And even in the whole sense, as far as like the egregious of the criminal act, if, you, if it even is anymore, uh, it's it's a victimless crime. We'll call it, for lack of a better term, we can we can pull that out and say no, it, there is some victimization, but okay, it's not like it's a forcible type of felony or anything like that. Um, and he got a year suspension, so he doesn't get paid, you know. And there's you know somewhat of an outcry uh, where he you know look, this is too harsh. Now. I want to ask you, you know, basically, and this is perfect if you don't know exactly the merits of all that's going on, do you think that's a just, just penalty? Now, mind you, it's administrative in nature. I mean, I don't think he should have his endorsements taken from him or anything like that, but then he's not playing, so I don't know how well, how well that's going to play into this. I mean, do you think a ban a whole year for a simple $1,500 bet that me and you can do? I think if he wasn't on the field and had no influence on the outcomes i i don't see really much wrongdoing uh in it right. yeah i mean yes in their contract and uh, i'm sure with their their union rules and all that stuff and player etiquette like you it is frowned upon and yes it can be penalized but uh that's a pretty severe penalty would you agree it, it is a, a severe penalty now if he was sitting on the sidelines or was actively playing, I would definitely steer in it. Yes, that, that is, you know, justifiable. But for someone who's off field, probably even off premises, yeah. making a a small wager bet, relatively. I mean, for me, it's not a small. But for those folks who make millions, yeah, it's a pretty small wager bet. That's spitting in the ocean sure. compared to their wallets. But sure. um, yeah, I, I don't see that being you know, 
justifiable or fair uh, penalty. I mean, should he get some type of, you know, reprimand, uh, some type of discipline action towards betting? Okay, yeah, for sure, maybe. Right. But, you know, a one-year suspension or, you know, loss of wages and, and all that, I, I think that's a little extreme. See, and that's interesting because, you know, when I hear these comments, I see that side completely, and I think it's like a microfilter as opposed to, okay, you're very specific to what had happened. The person went in there, you know, and you, you already brought in what was his intent, um, and we're, we're able to kind of familiarize it with, hey, any average Joe or Joanne can do this kind of thing. And But I take it completely different. On Especially this. with betting being more legalized now, sports betting. I mean, there's a commercial here in the Chicago area for, uh, was it the MGM betting, and they sure. have... They have a sports player. Yeah, you know, they do. Was it, uh, you know, saying, you know. You, you know what? And that's the other thing, too, is you can, I mean, it's legalized. They're, uh, yeah, they're, they're advertising betting, utilizing sports players for those advertisements. Right. So. <laughs> well, I mean, and are also, I mean, for, I mean, you have a football team that's actually in Sin City, in Vegas now. Okay. Now, all of those arguments are there. They're, in my opinion, low-hanging fruit pluck and say, hey, this is why it's a problem. But like I said, I, I kind of divorced myself from that micro level and went macro. Um, now, if the sport itself has any inkling, if there's any ability for the sport to be compromised, it has to be eradicated. It has to be cancer-free. Yeah. Uh, I liken it to, okay, let's say you have a broken window. Okay. Clearly, if you have a broken window and you have a hole in it, it is. If you have a crack that runs down the side, whatever it may be, is that a broken window? Is it damaged? I would say it's damaged. Yeah. How do you fix that? Replacing it. So whether it's broken or cracked, we have to replace it. Correct. Okay. We could put a piece of tape on it, I guess. But clearly, you say, okay, there, it's flawed. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's drafty. It's drafty, yeah. But more or less, it's still adequate for what you're doing. And I liken that example with, I'm not saying, and don't, let's not say, hey, the person needs to be replaced. It just happens to be Calvin Ridley as the one who actually did this and was caught doing it. But as far as the think, symbolism. That was exactly right. Who was caught. Caught doing it. Okay, and now you're taking, okay, <clears throat> you're exactly right. So what we're talking about here is this, and you just went to that point of it's still ongoing. So were they making an example Okay, is, is with, it, that, with that penalty? Well, I mean, I would say make the example only if, if this is the hard, fast rule, that's not an example. That's the hard, fast rule. Yeah. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's, I'm not saying he is, but I mean, it's, we're talking about a high-profile player, let's say. And I just use Aaron Rodgers as an example. Um, not suggesting he gambles. Just, let's get that out of there. But I'm saying you can pick, I mean, we already go with this. We're talking about our high-profile players. Are they the ones that will get special treatment? But if it's across the board and that's it, I mean, let's face it, this type of rule that's there has been negotiated. It's not a draconian rule. I would hazard to guess that the collective bargaining agreement speaks to it. <clears throat> now, here, I'll bring this to you. Let's say he was caught gambling, and let's say, you know, one of them, you know, I did bet on one of the games I played in. Does that change the dynamic of this? Yes. Okay, what should be the punishment for that? Probably the same punishment that he had 
I would I would assume that would be the oh well, I mean, well, think about Pete Rose. I mean, well, I keep going back to Pete well, Rose. He's been banned. Yeah, right. He would be completely banned. No Hall of Fame. <clears throat> you know, excommunicado from anything related to baseball. Get out. We don't want you. Okay, and now I bring it back to you. Why does that make sense? Would that make sense? If if he was on the field, yeah, let's I, mean, I mean, just I just tweaked it a little bit here and said, okay, yeah, listen, yeah. I was on the field. I bet on a game I played in, and I ended up catching. I mean, I you could tell. Let's let's go this. It's not like he was taking a dive in the fifth round in a boxing match. He let's say he had the game of his life, or had a game that basically it makes sense. The guy was out there. He played hard. He still, was playing. Still won the bet yeah. for whatever he was betting on. But I I, I think uh, as a player, manager, even owners. If you have influence in the game, that kind of taints your bet, right? Sure. And now me and you is the average Joe and Joanne. I'll be Joanne. And we are the betters in this. I'll be Joe? Yes, you can be Joe. And come to find out, let's say he had the game of his life. And his incentive was, okay, I bet on this game. I better damn well get on top of this, do more, extra effort, you know? No, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say that they don't do that in every game. But, I mean, you're, you're asking for that. You're asking for that type of scrutiny. So I really am thinking in the sense of you just said it before. We can't really regulate that because you said the one that got caught. So we all can agree that there's people out there betting. And still there's oh, illegal, sure. betting, still illegal betting going yeah. on just because it's been you know, legalized in this sense. Um, I would have to say, now that rule and the punishment that comes with it is just. Uh, because that behavior, if it does, I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, of these fixed soccer games in other countries and things like that, and the corruption that comes from that, and, you know, all these other things that are out there as far as, because uh, anything, when it comes to sports, and if you've got any level of corruption or collusion, you've lost, the, the, it's over, the game is over. There's too much at stake there, nobody's going to trust it. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yep. I mean, look at the millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars that are involved with that type of organization. And you're like, no, we, we can't have that. We have to have a zero tolerance policy. Now, when it comes to the individual, you know, I don't think there's a character. I don't think there's a character flaw with this person. I don't <clears throat> think they made a mistake. I think they did it. Maybe. I mean, they just did it. But this is it. I mean, yeah. there's no two ways about it. It's almost like strict liability. Yeah. No, you know? I, I agree. You know? So, I mean, not to go ahead and sway you one way or the other, this is just my filter through it. Given, given your defense, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think that that is that's something that should still, I mean, it is, it should be. I mean, it's got to be the ultimate deterrence. Be, yeah, frowned because, upon. Because it's, what's it, I mean, the frowned upon one thing, but like I said, eradicated. That behavior has to be eradicated because looking to the integrity of the sport. Okay, but here's the question. Let's say we're like, okay, you know what? We'll let people do up to fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not going to work. It, you know, we can't really legislate it like that. So, I mean, I I do feel for the for the young man too because he sounds like he has talent, and we're going into a free agency right now, so he most likely is going to command quite a few dollars wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, by the same breath, I'm like, okay, that rule is what it is. Okay, for example. We'll move on for a minute here. We said I remember I said cannabis before, and as far as the federal government's concerned, they don't recognize cannabis use, recreational use, is legal. 
No, it's still a, without, illegally, yeah, it's yeah. federally illegal. Yeah, and now, you know, you've got the states kind of hanging their hand on the Tenth Amendment saying state sovereignty, we can do what we want in regards to making it legal or not. Um, but moving forward with that, can law enforcement and military enjoy recreational drugs like that, recreational cannabis? It's a good question. I think uh, it also falls under uh, the employment, right? And so if you're, if you're on duty or you can't be under the influence of anything when and, you're on duty. And that's been the whole thing that's been interesting about that because this, the cannabis will stay in your system for quite some time. I mean, I imagine somebody... Depending on how uh, you know, frequent of a user you are. Well, let's say this. Let's say you have a, uh, a, a weekend for some who you know, partake in that. And they did it, you know, for over that period of time. I Just was like, standing next to a guy at a Pink Floyd concert, and the, the cloud went over my face. And it I don't like that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You've been thinking secondhand smoke. There is some extent to it, but when you're actually inhaling cannabis, there's fat-soluble and there's water-soluble components. So when you breathe in and take in those particles, the ones that stay in your system, and the, and the, the fat particles will stay in your lungs. You're not going to expel those. You're not going to breathe those out. But, um, you know, you've got, you know, why don't they have water bongs, right? Don't water bongs filter and they catch, like, water-soluble material and stuff like that? It just makes it for a stronger hit. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's more of a, more of a, it the, it's you know. a forceful yeah. intake yeah. Uh, and like I said, apparatus. I'm far from an expert on this. There's a lot more people who could basically, who have a PhD and it could tell me more and how this works, how it doesn't work. There from some, what I know. Some of, the, some of the folks that I used to know are, were be borderline scientists and, mm. and physics majors because they oh gosh they knew the genius crowd i mean absolutely really, you know? there's a science behind some of those techniques and apparatuses where sure. you're like whoa and, and but they're also those macgyver chemists right where yeah they'll use like a water bottle and a, a avocado and a snorkel and they're like Ew, like it's like how the hell wait, did wait, you what are you think talking of- about now <laughs> okay this this Okay. It's just, you know, oh, okay. All right. random objects Why making. Why do I let my mind go where it goes? You, this is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to finish, to kind of tie that together, those rules are explicit as far as, like, your, your special group, your exempt group. Okay, let's say an officer had that, and he had it in the system but hadn't smoked in a couple days. Right. And gets into a lethal force encounter. And, and then he goes for a test. Yeah, and goes for a test. And, yep. Yeah. See, that's the reasons that are there. They are an exempt group that cannot partake as... Yeah. From that standpoint. And that's how I liken it to this with the, the rules they have for as far as betting goes. You're a specific group. They can't do it because you have a way to influence what's going on. I mean, when it comes to law enforcement, if there's any question that your reasonable belief has been uh, impacted, and if a drug is maybe in your system, and it may have nothing to do with it, but the mere fact that it can come into question, well, let's eradicate it. Let's not allow that to be in your system from an administrative standpoint. Um, May I top you off? You please, please. You, you're so good at reading the crowd. Mm-hmm. Gotta, gotta know the audience. Yes. So now I'm done with this. Okay. I try to get one of our listeners back. I don't know if it worked. Nope. Okay. Fair enough. All right. <clears throat> On to uh, back to back to cigars. Um, I have a do. You know how we do the do don'ts and myths. Sure. These are do. A do. do. And you mean D-O. D-O. Do this. Do this. Okay. Do this correctly. Right. Um, do cut your cigar correctly. Oh. That actually falls in line with the do not 
saw the end of it off with a steak knife, snip it with scissors, or even try to bite the cap off, use a proper cigar cutter. Cutting a cigar with a straight cutter or a guillotine style, like I have that Zycar, and I think mm-hmm. you have one of those as well. I do. Those are the most common methods. A straight cut provides more airflow, easier draw, and as I, I, I can attest to that right now, I got a straight cut, and it, the, this cigar is just booming right now. I'm, I'm nearing the label right now. Great intake, uh, great flow of air. I'm not quite to the label, but no. I'm, still, I'm still clipping along. If you, when you cut it, you want to cut the cap right above the shoulder. That's where the, the, the head of the shoulder meets. That kind of tapers off a little bit. Don't cut it too low. You can always take more off if you, if, you know, cut it shallow first, and, 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 but you, you can't put more, more back on. Oh, clearly. So if like, it's more jagged or you didn't do a clean cut in the beginning, you say you can kind of... Right. If you cut it too deep, you'll lose. Uh, you'll have like loose tobacco in your mouth. The wrapper can start to unravel while you're smoking, and it can become a very unenjoyable experience. Uh, if you prefer a tighter draw, uh, use a punch or a V cut. These uh, will intensify your cigar slightly because of the smoke and the oils will be concentrated through a smaller opening. See, and okay, now I'm glad you brought that up because I've I've seen punches. Mm-hmm. You know, I've actually had cigars where they, the person's punched it for me. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've had good airflow with that or it's been punched properly. I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've had good experiences when it's been, I've had good experience with a V cut. Yeah. Uh, I've gone more to that straight, the smaller of the straight cuts, not the big hole lopped off the end. I want more of the tapered one. I've enjoyed that probably most. Uh, but so when it comes to the punch, I, I have a punch. I use it once in a while. I'll use those for more of my, Fatter, ring gauge, the Gordo, Toros, something along those lines with, with more of a rounded cap. With this, a box press, I'll go with a, a straight cut. Um, I, I use a V-cut once in a blue moon, but I'll actually go back and forth. I'll mostly use a straight cut, but I have used punch more than V-cut. Um, but you're right, with <clears throat> with a, v, uh, a punch, if it's not punched properly, uh-huh. you'll have draw issues for sure. So you got to make sure that you get in there, you do a, a couple twists, and then you, uh, you you pull out that the the punch portion of it. Okay. Um, All right. So that's, you know, yeah. I mean, because it's funny because I've had it a couple times, but I've just simply gone away from it, you know, yeah. just because it didn't work for me. Probably works for others with no issue. It's, it, it's not a bad way. Um, I just, I have... Everyone has their personal preference, um, but the the straight cut is definitely mine. Um, reviewing and, and thoughts of, of this cigar, I, towards the end, we're, we're nearing, we're, we just passed the, the hour mark, so we're going to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with the thoughts. I, I, it's definitely in, intensifying as I go through. I'm getting more uh, body through it. The flavor's still there. Um, would I smoke it again? Absolutely. I, I'm definitely impressed. Never heard of this cigar company yeah, until it. now. Until now. I'm so glad our buddy Kyle down at Burning Leaf uh, turned us on to this. Yes. And to thank I, you for I, I will be keeping my eye out for these. Uh, I know that um, they have an online store at, at DonRafaCigars.com. Um, but I know that they are also in retail stores here mm-hmm. in the Chicago area. Um. My rating, solid 7.9. You're right at the 8. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm nearing the 8. Uh, again, I, it, it, to me, that's a very, very fair 
uh, rating. I would suggest it. I would keep it stocked in my humidor. I'd smoke it again. Great flavor, good construction. Again, I had to touch it up, but again, we're sitting here BSing, and, and it, you know, it kind of died on me a couple times, but yeah. it's, it's burning even, burning straight, hasn't canoed. Great smoke ring, uh, burn ring. Very well construction uh, all around. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, with my childlike understanding at this point, you know, I already have been starting to formulate that number. Um, and it's funny you said 7.9. I don't know if we're getting to a trend on this because I was in low eights. You know, I was going to go, I mean, maybe an 8.3, maybe an 8.4. Yeah. I, uh, because, like I said, I mean, there's a couple things that, from I think maybe I do a little bit of a different look from a qualitative standpoint, like the little things I pay attention to. Like we're sitting there talking, and it's, it's, it's a no-hassle type of experience. Like you said, I don't have to keep relighting it. I don't have to worry about it burn. Like I said, when I mentioned earlier, as far as how the ash is going, it's, it seems like I use that term ventilated. Um, and every time I do a pool, it's a nice, good flavor. Uh, it's well, and when you said well-constructed, definitely, but it's also w- w- nicely identified. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's a medium. You, you know... It's not like, okay, this was a medium. Why was this thing so harsh? But it's not. Um, and when it comes to this cigar, I will go in that 8.3, 8.4 for sure, especially when it came out, for lack of a better term, came out of nowhere. Yeah. I, as you know, I had intended on trying something else. And, Brian, this, and thank you, Kyle, for that, for this suggestion. It's a great suggestion. I'll be definitely visiting them again, you know, to come yeah. back and tell them about you know, how it went and see if they got anything else or what else you suggest because clearly they know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I, uh, and you put it to the point where would I have it in a humidor? Yes. Would I offer this out to somebody else? Absolutely. Would I smoke it with them? Of course. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go another Bravo. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I would say that this compares to, uh, like a, a La Gloria Esteli and it just so happens that their, their rolling factory is in Esteli. So a coincidence there, but it does remind me, uh, except for the box press, uh, the flavor profile that I have had from La Gloria Esteli. Um, same, same components, uh, but very well constructed. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that label there in our box of, of bands and box of memories, box of memories. Yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, uh, Matt is a research junkie. Uh, he is very good at finding out information and, uh, definitely as you guys heard him talk today so eloquently about these types of things. But of course, you know, as it is, we see what we can find. If there's more information, there's so much information that's out there. So he's got, definitely he's done homework on that for sure, uh, which just adds to the testament of how well this. With all of my work. free time of having a full-time job and a six-month-old, it's, uh, you know. Mm. But you stay up at night, you told us. You stay up worrying about stuff. Stay so. up worrying about the hot dog being a sandwich. Well, now you're not worrying anymore because I think I put that to bed for you. I mean, I know you're going to think about it tonight. Probably going to give you an extra... 20 minutes of non-sleep. Standalone. I think I think we let's take it out of the equation. I'm going to go to Portillo's and I'm going to go through the drive-thru and I'm going to ask for a standalone hot dog. Fully loaded. And they're going to say what's wrong with you. So don't do that. <laughs> um, but I mean, when you said, when you started it with, is it a taco? Is it a sandwich? I mean, for me, I mean, that argument was out there, you know, what that is. But I mean, for me, I don't know, that knee-jerk reaction. I'm like, no, it's a standalone. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, uh, like I said, there's a small segment of the population that is in my camp. I know that. But uh, <clears throat> now, okay, let's finish off with 
Your feelings on the... The Resilient Bottled yes. and Bond Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Um, I picked this up from a local store in Batavia called Craft and Smoke. Okay. Uh, Joe, the owner, uh, opened up the store during COVID, and I try to go down there and support him anytime I can. Went down there uh, this past week and was looking at some of the bottles and he uh, he said, "Oh, and would you like to try it?" And I said, "Well, sure." And then he pointed behind me, and on their wall, they have a little wall unit, shelving unit, with a couple of open bottles, about a dozen different open bottles, little plastic shot glasses, and you can go there and sip one of his open bottles. You can. So, yeah. and I, I I tried that. I was like, "Yep, big fan." Ring it up, and then I walked into his walk-in humidor, picked up a, a, a pair of cigars for a future episode, and uh, oh, you did! Huh? So I, you, I you did. already got you're loaded. For oh, I, I'm loaded for the next couple of episodes when it's my turn to bring the smoke. All right. Well, I'm not, I mean, next time I will bring the brown, um, and I already had two in mind. I mean, either one of them are going to be, in my opinion, for my, like I said, I haven't tried them. I'll give you a, a hint. Of next week, stop it. Will be like I said, St. Patrick's Day themed cigar. Even though it's after Thanksgiving, it's after St. Patty's Day, right? Right, but it, it'll be next Saturday. Will be closer than this Saturday, theoretically. So, unless we do a special show on St. Patrick's Day. Ooh, wow. We'll talk about that. See yeah, that works. yeah, maybe, maybe we can have a bonfire or something. There we go. I don't know. I mean. You're right. We're supposed to be talking. Well, about it'll that be all, it'll be fifty, sixty. Degrees. Oh yeah, you're right. It'll be almost like uh, put the microphones a cool, outside. A cool summer night. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, I'm down to almost a nub, so that means it's time. Um, we're gonna probably finish these off uh, air, but maybe the bottle. I don't know. Maybe the bottle. <laughs> uh, for those who are still listening and and didn't get turned off by the pencil facts. Uh, don't forget to uh, follow, subscribe, and share. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. Tell everybody. And uh, until the next time we put smoke in the air, stay safe and just try to be nice to each other. Mm, that's pleasant. I agree. I concur. Thanks again, everyone. Really appreciate uh, you spending a little bit of time with us. Hope it was fun and helpful and made your day. See ya. <laughs>